0: I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ plus and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community, where we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. The goal of this space is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated or alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open now. Let's lean in. Today I am so honored to welcome activist and artist Nicholas Galan, who uses he-him pronouns and is part of the Klingit Yunagan tribes. I originally met Nick over a decade ago in the music scene as one of the creators of the amazing Home Skillet Music Fest in Sitka, Alaska. I've been watching in awe over the years as he's grown into one of the most respected and sought after multidisciplinary artists in the world. His works embody critical thought and are vessels of knowledge, culture, and technology. They're boldly political, unflinching, and poetic. He engages past, present, and future through two and three-dimensional works and time-based media, splintering tourist industry replica carvings into pieces and destroying commodification of culture, and evidencing the damage. His carving practice is expansive as well, including numerous collaborations with visual and recording artists. Galanan, apprenticed with master carvers and jewelers, earned his BFA at London's Guildhall University in jewelry design and his MFA in indigenous visual arts at Massey University in New Zealand. Nick has also had solo and group exhibitions at the Peter Blum Gallery and the Whitney in New York City, just to name a few out of a huge list of museums in Europe and all over the U.S. and Canada that have displayed his work. As a longtime friend, I've been so impressed with how he's never shied away from challenging and fighting the historical oppression of the indigenous and marginalized communities through his art. Last year, he was one of eight artists who pulled his work from the famed Whitney biennial until a problematic board member resigned, and his most recent uh, stint in the news has been for his work Shadow on the Land, an excavation and bush burial, which he made for the 2020 Biennial of Sydney. He excavated the show cast of Captain James Cook statue, suggesting the burial of the Cook Monument along with the burial of destructive governance and treatment of all indigenous land, people, and knowledge. His work continues to not just inspire, but educate and lead the way in centering the conversation around indigenous rights, stolen land education, and reparations. Nick, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. You need like like, two pages for everything that you've accomplished. It's incredible. Um, What I like to do before I start every conversation is just have an emotional check-in how are you doing right now in this space, in your life?
1: Good, thanks.
0: You're feeling good today.
1: It's Actually, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's summer, Sitka, so that's always a my favorite season, fishing season. Actually, we bumped this uh, conversation back a day because um, we went fishing, and that's a clock and a calendar and a schedule that... We have to move our lives to and with, so th- it, we have to be prepared to go and, you know, harvest our salmon when they're in. So um, I love I, I love this time of year. Also, uh, just with everything going on and how insane 2020 seems to be, uh, <clears throat> some of the perks of it, I suppose, for me is that I'm not traveling. Um, so I've been home for... Probably the longest time I've ever been in the last 10 years. Wow. Um, which has been really good in a lot of ways.
0: So. Yeah, that's my next question was you know, uh, how is this, what's happening in the world? How has it affected your life? I know I had a bunch of things on the schedule for spring and summer that were, of course, were all canceled, but it's shifted into this new kind of space. And then it's forced me to stop and be still with myself and create some self-care have you done more things for yourself lately and some self-care
1: sure yeah completely i think this whole time has been um <clears throat> versions of that and um, for me being home being healthy with my family is really a great uh, perk of that travel is always really i love travel but road uh, life on the road is um, you know strange sleeping patterns strange eating hours and habits of uh, socializing oftentimes in the arts and music industry here you're, you're out in these spaces always in the in this uh, other form of uh, existing i suppose to community and um, being home here in sitka i get to just stay tucked away and sleeping well, eating well, um, exercising daily.
0: Yeah, it's, it can be exhausting traveling. So,
1: yeah, so I, um, I definitely feel really like that's been a priority for me. So.
0: How has your work been affected? So, you know, I know that you probably have art lined up for exhibits and such. Do you have to do things differently now? What's the process?
1: Yeah, completely. Everything's changed. And it changed quickly, like, for a lot of us. Um, From the, you know, I was literally supposed to circumnavigate the world in March for art and other projects. And all of that got canceled. Um, uh, Which I, I, you know, I don't mind that it was canceled, but it was you know, was a, a, a big shift of, of trying to understand what's going on. and uh, We ended up in Sydney, uh, supposed to travel to Aotearoa, New Zealand, after and tour and talk, and that was canceled. Um, ended up just trying to find our way home, essentially, with canceled airfare tickets. And um, we made our way back and have uh, yeah just been trying to navigate what that means for our work. Which is in the visual art world, um, much like performance and music and stuff. There's, you know, people come through and need to be there and see and interact and engage, and that's shifted. So I've recently opened up an exhibition digitally on Anchorage Museum's website. Their first digital exhibition, Hmm. which is, you know, it's a it's a format that we're making work, and I, I feel good about the work that's been presented there. A lot of Zoom. Meetings and um, uh, and then just yeah, trying to focus on projects in the, the future, but not entirely sure on what that might look like. Tonight. So um, also some music projects on the horizon. I'm really excited about. So I've been finishing up a new record that's two years in the making, but it's almost done. So. That's
0: exciting.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's yeah. where I
0: knew you from. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that too. You know, I think uh, as we all grow and have become like these adult parents, <laughs> I think yeah. that it's, um, you know, I love it when people tell me about your work, like, I don't know you. And then I'm like,
1: did ah. you know
0: that he also does music? And they're like, what? Yeah. And it's, I, I was actually um, in a zoom with a group of people the other night and they were like, I saw this this peat, this burial in the ground for this thing and they were like chatting and i just sat back for a little bit and i was like <laughs> it
1: was amazing
0: but so that was the last piece that you did then is that right
1: it was yeah it was the last um project that's um well i suppose the anchorage museum has some new work in it too but the last piece that's you know they've since reopened so it's been um there's been this delay of engagement, especially in that work. It opened in March and then it shut down immediately, like that week we were there. And then um, it's reopened. And when it reopened, it hit at a very timely uh, uh, international conversation of, of, you know, recognizing that these monuments or these statues have long been uh, symbols of oppression often to certain communities. Um, and they're conversations that we've been having in our communities. To me, this is a testament to uh, how uh, much we fight for visibility in a, in a broad conversation um, and how often it's actively and purposefully ignored. Um, it isn't being now, which I think have, you know, it's essential that these conversations are held by all of our communities, not just us. Who doesn't want truth in their history? And who doesn't want to have real conversations that are inclusive to all of our communities? So um, it's, I'm grateful that it's, these conversations are being had across you know, international borders when
0: that when that exhibit closed i can't imagine and then when people started tearing down these monuments across the country i imagine your brain just kind of went oh
1: God. Uh, well you know that works that work itself was I, I i was out in sydney a year before doing some research and engagement with community um, I was able to meet other artists and just really, when you, when I do work in the land or in site specific work, especially it's essential to be out there and to really understand at least briefly as much as you can. And, and, um, so yeah, I was, I went out and I engaged with some of the communities in the Tiwi Islands, which was incredible. Mm. Kiwi is north of Darwin. It's um, almost near Papua New Guinea, so it's and you have to have a special uh, permit to visit because they don't have tourist infrastructure. It's it's you know so it was an incredible experience um, to to engage with art and the community and the culture and um, to go fishing crocodiles there and and jellyfish that you can't swim in the water. It was insane. Uh, just a re- really, really different culture to what I'm used to here in Alaska, for sure, but similarities. And that is where the one of the first Europeans landed on uh, what is now Australia, um, not Cook, uh, which was relevant to this conversation because Cook is the colonial narrative that's held in the, um, uh, Australia, like, like other spaces, uh, you know, there's a Cook monument in Anchorage um, here in Alaska, and um, that history is shared throughout, you know, even the Pacific, Hawaii, uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand, um, and the timeliness of this conversation for Australia was a 250th anniversary of Cook's landing. Um, was coming up and that's as you can imagine turned into um, a colonial spectacle of sorts for celebration much like some of our national holidays that um, are very problematic to a large group of communities so um, including the fourth which was just um, noisily (laughs) which continually noisily happens in these places so uh knowing that the 250th anniversary was coming up and knowing that there was this discovery monument in Sydney's Hyde Park those became kind of focal points for this work and conversation and um yeah
0: yeah i don't think i i don't think when i i'm sure when i started seeing the stuff on the news and then i saw your piece kind of hit the news i was like did you, I really thought you timed it. Like I thought you were just like, <laughs> we're doing this right now. And just, we're, but it's even more providential this way. Uh, yeah. the, the timing, the universe's timing is pretty magical that way.
1: And, and it's, again, um, these conversations have been going on with, you know, the AIM American Indian movement since the seventies in the, in the U S with a lot of these, um, statues and monuments and now even um much larger than recent Mount Rushmore. And, yes. um, and you know, our treaties, Indigenous Treaties, Indigenous land. Um the recent statue at the American Museum of Natural History of Roosevelt. Um in New York is is coming down finally, um, if it hasn't already, which which is um you know, those have been long standing um contested um I guess statues or monuments and, and to me it blows my mind the conversation of well, what what do you want to do with it? What do you what else should we put in this place? And and it's 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 I always want to ask like what how do you not recognize that we find it problematic that you um, idolize or or celebrate people who've been responsible for rape, murder, genocide, slavery, etc How is that not? like how do you how are you okay with that? and and those are the the basic like okay, explain to me how that's okay. Right. And they can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's overlooked, and you know, we the narratives that are told. Words hold so much power, and, and um, we often are taught versions of history that really um, um, soften through language experiences and that goes all the way into children's books where I recall seeing curriculum of children's books where they speak on the, the natives wanted the pilgrims to, or the Indians wanted the pilgrims to have something. So they gave them, happily gave them land and blah, blah, blah. And are going like, oh man, there's so much that's not being said here. And, and for what reason? And, and um, oftentimes that's, the irony of commun- people's education towards these figures, historical figures, is um, their knowledge is so light on on these um, historical uh, truths or realities or traumas that have happened in the past that they don't know, yet they claim God? that they history will be erased if you remove that figure. And you likely don't have a a good understanding of the history to begin with, if you celebrate some of that stuff.
0: Well, and I think that our, our collective awakening precursor to what's happening now, because I think this is a historical different level, but I think that our generation, the X gen, the, you know, 40 and up is we collectively started to unschool our kids and being taught and opening our eyes. And so there was a lot more education happening in this kind of generation. It's these boomers that we're kind of having to deal with now who are running our country and making decisions for our lives and for our families. And sadly, you know, this, our generation, that's finally like, you know, that's why I'm like praising these millennials that are at the front lines of these protests, because like we raised them, like we raised these kids that are, um, more comfortable, you know, throwing back a tear gas bomb to a cop than asking a kid out to prom. You know what I mean? And I'm so here for it. I love it. But, you know, I think that now that we have taken this, the marginalized communities and, and cultures and are finally bringing them to center and it took a fucking pandemic. It took people to not work, Because I think Mm -hmm. that our collective minds, I'm saying that the the white community in general just can so easily look over something that doesn't, because of of white privilege, look over the facts and history that doesn't affect them. And then we were all sedentary and it was like, oh. Yeah.
1: It takes work. It takes, uh, it takes work. And it takes like active engagement. Like you said, the pandemic, I think it has played major um, roles in disrupting capitalism, essentially, and, and and people's daily patterns and rhythms of what capitalism is in their lives. And, and I think that it's shown through some of these movements um, in powerful ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I interviewed a woman yesterday who is a Black mother who said, I hate that I'm saying this, but thank God for COVID because it made – white people sit in something uncomfortable that we've been sitting in for years mm. and made them finally see what we've all been going through. And so it was a kind of a great way to look at it. She said, we, you're all just being forced. Um, so because of the, the light that's been shined, especially here in Seattle and in the U.S. around the Black Lives Matter movement, now I see the indigenous conversation coming in. Um, what do you think, what shift needs to happen? Because right now, I don't, I don't know if you know, but Seattle's like, we are, there are protests every day and it's yeah. bananas, I, but I think we need to bring the indigenous I, conversation back in.
1: Yeah. And it is there, I think in ways. And, and I, I think, I feel like there's a lot of, um, allyship that's happening in positive forms. Um, and you know, for, for our communities, obviously, uh, sovereignty, uh, land back, the the initial conversation of land back, which is an extension of, you know, acknowledgement of, uh, which comes after land acknowledgement and all these other things that are happening that slowly people are coming to terms with, I suppose. So um, with that though, comes like, you know, proper, like, connectivity and and understanding of um, stewardship towards place and and um, everybody in any community can can learn what that means and can can um, contribute to what that means and into a place so um, I think that those are really important conversations that go beyond even our own uh, communities, human rights struggles, but to a larger conversation of uh, en- environmental and climate and global engagement. And, um, and I think those things are really important. So.
0: so one of my favorite pieces that you've ever done was, besides the monument one, because that's actually my new favorite, but before Shadow in the Land, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was the, and I don't remember the name of it. So you're going to have to tell me the police in the riot gear with the cups.
1: Oh, um, oh, that was a uh, modicum at the Fry. Uh, Will you explain was,
0: the the, the details around that? Because that piece was not only, sure. uh, incredible, but it, I stood in front of it for a long time. It was incredible.
1: Thank you. Yeah, actually it's, it's funny. That work literally just shipped back today from Canada. I went and, Picked it up and uh, <clears throat> it was installed somewhere. But um, yeah, Modicum was a collaboration uh, with my brother Jared uh, under Leonard. Get in the car, which was you know a collective that we were working on. We haven't done any work for a while. Uh, but the it's, it was almost like an anti-monument, I suppose, and in, and in especially in its installation at the Fry, where it was framed by two pillars and it was backed by. Um, uh, work by Nepsidu, who's part of a uh, Black Constellation, which is a collective that I work with as well. And um, the sculptural part of uh, that work was uh, a police officer in riot gear and um, being rained down upon by coffee cups. Um, and on the names of coffee cups were. Uh, Those extrajudicially um, murdered by police officers in the US, Um, maybe even Canada. But, you know, we as Indigenous and also uh, um, the Black African American community have the largest statistical um, percentage of extrajudicial murder by.
0: Um, My police officers,
1: are... which i like to speak of and link towards uh to yeah. directly to colonial violence and the history of colonial violence it's an extension of it uh, um from the from the beginnings of the nation building in this country and um it's you know it was legal it was there was bounties on our on our communities, heads, scalps at one point in the, the nation building of America through settler occupation on indi- unceded indigenous territories or land. And uh, it's still happening now legally, largely, continually, every day it happens. Uh, so this work was a conversation on that modicum of, of the, the, the general pu- public's um, lack lackadaisical care towards the complete like violence and genocide towards these communities. Um and that lack of care was represented through something as as everyday as a coffee cup, I suppose. And you know, people go get their they move about their day and their way and they go pick up their Starbucks or whatever it is and they get their name written on the cup and handed and on to the next and so um yeah so that was uh an installation speaking on that um and that was in 2014 and, and it's unfortunate that it's still so relevant right now um in our communities i don't know you know we we're clearly out here fighting to make these conversations irrelevant. I
0: feel like I need to find a picture of it and like post it. I feel like it's, you know, there's there's
1: so Um, much
0: now, um, about that and about a lot of even the music that you all were making in, you know, the early two thousands, um, that kind of was before it's time in a lot of ways, meaning the rest of the community, the rest had not woken up to what they needed to be talking about. And, um, seemed a little far off to a lot of people meanwhile there's those of us were just kind of like but why don't you get it this is incredible so, <laughs> um yeah I, that was one of them
1: i think that's our roles though you know we're, our role as artists and is to keep our fingers on the pulse of the community and their foot on the throat of another <laughs> yeah conversation community and and we have we we lead through demonstrating and through work and through all these other forms and, and institutions are oftentimes 10 years behind um, on a lot of these conversations and even, even being able to process or digest them. And, and um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, that's, it seems to be the, how it's continuing.
0: Well, I know here in Seattle, cause you know, we're on Duwamish territory. And so here in Seattle, I'm seeing a re uh, an, uh, Increase of people um, paying their dues and their rent to that that tribe, and there's even you know areas where you can have it taken out of your check every month, and you can like make these payments. What do you? Th- and I think that that's a great step for people. What do you think, or what suggestions do you have for the non-indigenous community? Because I think that that's a great step, but I think people. Do want to be part of change, and they want to be part of recognizing that land.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with some of those movements. Um, I don't know if San Francisco does something similar to. I think tax uh, land tax uh, mm-hmm. voluntary, which I think is really incredible gesture. Um, it's it's you know all of our histories and all of these um, um, all right. um, colonial so, histories of occupation on these in the spaces is um, very similar but you know also we have our differences of, of those I know there's something on the news recently of Oklahoma and the recognition of um, some reservations there uh, Oklahoma's got a, a a really wild history, too, historically with Indigenous and settler community. Um, I think it's positive uh, to acknowledge and to demonstrate what that might be or mean uh, for these communities, so the Amish or any other Indigenous communities in the U.S. that are federally unrecognized um, is such a challenge for. Uh, And and it's a continual conversation in our Indigenous communities of fighting for visibility um, and fighting erasure. There's convenience to the government when they erase these communities, and that is genocide. That's complete violence actively towards history of people in place. Um, This ties into the Discovery Monument again at Sydney, which, you know, the words on it say Discovery and with, it, with that monument or that statue, what's happened is um, the narrative is um, there's a stamp put on history in that time frame, and everything before that, and that's continued completely through that time, Aboriginal history has actively, purposefully been removed in the conversation or narrative. So, um, and again, You know, the reasoning for that is it's convenience for nation building. It's convenience for um, not holding accountability towards what's been stolen, what's been taken, what's been removed. Um, And um, so, yeah, I I love the idea of people participating actively and trying to um, show that they – see these conversations and they want to help in any means possible with with moving that forward. Um, we have so much work to do and such a long ways to go through um, what it means to even exist on the land in a good way.
0: So, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that you're at the forefront of so much of that. Um, and I think your work helps people, not only understand and, and be educated, but it makes them want to keep educating themselves.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think that's a really important part of doing this work too, is um, remaining inclusive and and um, allowing for multiple entry points into the conversation from perspectives that are different and allowing for uh, guidance to, to some of that. So.
0: Well, I, I remember um, uh, last year, two years ago, doing my first exhibit and calling you frantically from Florida because I oh, had not. Yeah. So, you know, I think that <laughs> what's great about your come up and your process is that, you know, there are people that you're you're being still a friend and a guide to. I, knew, I still know nothing about showing my work and I still have people that show me and I just made like so many mistakes. And you were so kind about it. You were like, so, like, for future reference, you need to have these things. And I was like, oh, and I remember taking notes in that hotel room on the hotel pad. And at the bottom, I was like, don't do these things ever again. (laughs) And, you know, I think that that's the beauty of your rise. It's the beauty of your progression is that you've always been for the people. You've always been someone that has Um, educated with kindness. And instead of calling people out, calling them in for a discussion and um, then calling them out if they don't discuss, which is great. (laughs) I'll never forget the video that I saw of you on an airplane and calling somebody out in their seat on the airplane. I was so, I like sent that to 20 people that day. I was so excited. (laughs) You inspire me as an activist, not only as an artist. So Thank okay. You. I want to end this episode with my lightning round questions, hearkening back to James Lipton in the actor's studio, but my own questions just to yes. humanize you and give everybody an idea of who you are as a person. So first question is, what's your favorite curse word?
1: Uh, my favorite curse word. I don't know if I have, it's not in English. Really? Um, oh,
0: that's even better. <laughs> oh no.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's not really a curse word, but it's um, "do lily" is anatomy, so it's a okay. Case, and, cl- and clink it, and and I think that's say a great, it one more time like, for me. Do lily, I
0: love that. Hey, you're the first one to say. Everybody else says fuck. So, it's
1: oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a um, that's my favorite.
0: I one. love that. Okay, so. Is there a book or a movie or even a, an album or some music that you're listening to right now that, when you've just oh. had a long day, you're like, "I gotta take myself out of this"?
1: Yeah, always. I the I I do a lot of work with my hands, so sometimes um, if I'm doing focused, intense work, I'll put on audiobooks because it's just another way to. Uh, when I'm doing meditative jewelry work or something, I, I can also take in something other than music and, um, an indigenous people's history of the United States. I don't know if you've read no. it, but it's such a, such an important, um, book and introduction to history. That's not really discussed. Yeah, um, I highly, highly recommend it. It's, um, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz. This is, is the book? Um, music. I listen to so much music. Like, like I love, Love music. Um, I I have to look at my like Spotify to see what I've been playing. There's not one out.
0: Uh, I'm one of those people that will listen to the same song ten times if I like
1: it enough. I'll do the same. <laughs> I'll do the same. You know, I love the new Shabazz Palaces yes, record. it's um, so I'm always, good. I'm always down with what those guys are up to. And uh, uh, let's see what else I got on here. What are you listening to? You
0: know the new. uh uh, not what, not prom queen. Why can't I think of? Uh, I know I have to pull my Spotify up too. But um, <laughs> I
1: know I just, just kind of channel through all. The, I know all the cuts I've been listening to, to a lot them. of like
0: old um, Florence and the Machine and like music. A lot of like earthy kind of vibing music for full moon stuff and for you know walking around high with my plants. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I go through, Nick Hakeem. I've been loving Nick Hakeem's. Oh, record.
0: I love that. I don't know who that um, is. I'm gonna to have to look that up.
1: Check him out, and he hit me up on Instagram, which was that's awesome. amazing. I the, so, so uh, and I've been trying to get Nick on the new record. Uh, we'll see if it happens. But yeah, his new record is is really yeah.
0: Really do you have great. a release date for that?
1: Um, soon. It's it's. It's about, it's like almost done. It's being mixed. I'm waiting on some like some pretty amazing uh, features from some incredible artists. And uh, are you? Can you edit this audio? Yep. Okay, so you can beep out yep. this next well, part when when it, No, is it, why don't you uh, just
0: share it to me after, and then we're gonna tell people. Oh, Angela actually knows this. We'll
1: oh, it when we
0: stop I could do that
1: recording. Okay, excited. but uh, um, and then. It's not public information yet, so, um, but there's a label uh, that's putting it out that I'm excited that's to share to you. huge.
0: Too, so. I have like two guesses already for that one. So yay. That's so yeah. exciting. Okay. Two more questions, and then we're done. The last, the second to last question, I want you to name one or two influential people who have inspired you to be who you are today. They don't have to be celebs. They could be family, celebrities. It doesn't matter, mm. but they yeah. cannot be white, straight men. Because I figure that's, that's not a easy problem thing. for you, but,
1: <laughs> <It's so laughs> but they easy. have enough
0: attention. We're
1: fucking <laughs> Um my wife, Merritt. Who's sure. an
0: incredible a human.
1: An artist and mother, yeah. My And children, Capricorn,
0: um, if I remember correctly, right?
1: December twenty
0: Yeah, she's a Capricorn like me. I remember that. Yes. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, my father has been a big, huge role in in my work, too. Um, I love that. Keeping it close to home. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, your last question. If you could have lunch with young Nick, what age would you have lunch with yourself at? What would you tell yourself at that age? And more importantly, what would you eat together for lunch?
1: Oh, uh, young Nick. I would go like, um, that's a good question.
0: I was once asked it in an interview and I started crying on the spot because I was not expecting what I was going to say to myself. And um, oh, no. it made me realize it's such a great thing to hear someone talk to their younger self.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I don't feel like I've, I feel like my journey has been so... Um, necessary all the way to, like, you know, who I am now. So there wouldn't be any big shifts or swings. I think, um, if anything, would be, uh, any, let's go to, like, 12, maybe. Sure. And then just words of encouragement to, like, keep, keep moving on, on what you believe in, I suppose. But, but and then I would also go back to like 2010 or nine and um tell myself to buy some bitcoin. <laughs>
0: <sometime>. <laughs> I love
1: that. Put a hundred put, put bucks down on yeah. bitcoin,
0: just trust, me. Let, trust me,
1: let it ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then what would you guys eat for lunch together?
1: Oh, you know, I still love all the things that I've been eating here at home. We, we do, uh. We do a lot of, as you know, subsistence and harvesting of our food. So I probably eat something like smoked salmon. And, um,
0: I know it's the best smoked salmon I've ever had was with you there. So.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna send you some uh, smoked salmon fettuccine. Is like a it's really literally clean. Ryan's
0: favorite dish.
1: It's, yeah, it's only a vegetarian now,
0: and so he will only eat salmon pretty much.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, I'll send you. Yeah, salmon. your salmon is you probably one of my favorites.
0: But we were spoiled. We were in Sitka having salmon. So,
1: what would what would you eat? What would I eat? Oh,
0: um, yeah, I nice. would. I would definitely eat hamburgers because at that age, my mom didn't let me have hamburgers because she said I would get fat. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so I would take myself out for a really juicy, greasy hamburger and tell myself to enjoy the (laughs) fuck out of it. Um, Yeah, and I always find it interesting because some people will say I'd just make myself eat a salad, and I'm like, what? Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, no, get it, get Get it, get it.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, amazing. I want to thank you so much. Tell people how they can find you online and on social media.
1: Um, You can find me. On the gram, Instagram at Nicholas Galanin, um, Twitter Silver Jackson, and um, then just yeah, Google me or whatever to find some more dirt on me or something. I don't know. Perfect. (laughs) Do we have any
0: upcoming exhibits, events you want to talk about or mention?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, the shows up in New York still at Peter Bloom, which was shut down by COVID in February, March, February, March. It's been, you know, it was on hold and it's been extended to the middle of this month. So it ended up, excuse me, ended up being on exhibit for six months, which is, even though a lot of it was shut down. um, Other, I think just keep an eye out for this Indian agent record, um, which will be out. so exciting.
0: Well, thank you you again for being here. And uh, yeah, we look forward to all of your upcoming art.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for the conversation.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode and all the episodes. We hope you'll join and support us online in the Faces of Fortitude movement on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like more information about the Faces movement or have an idea for a topic or person you'd like to see on the podcast, please email us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your fucking hands wear a damn mask, defund the police, basically continue fighting for the rights of Black lives everywhere, especially Black trans lives, and do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.